So good morning, listeners, and welcome to Come and See Inspirations. And this, the 10th of April, it's Palm Sunday of the Lord's Passion. It's the beginning of Holy Week. My name is John Keeley, and thank you again for joining me. And also I want to welcome uh, my co-presenter, Shane Ambrose. Good morning to you, Shane. Good morning, John. I've been I've been promoted. I'm now a co-presenter. Does that mean my wages go up? No, not to do with that, Shane. No, not to do with that. <laughs> but you're welcome anyway. Thanks a lot for joining us, Shane, considering you're doing most of the programme. But anyway, as I said, my, my, my name is John Keeley. Thanks again, listeners, for, for joining us on this podcast. Um, and of course, as usual, we want to welcome especially those listeners who are housebound and lonely and struggling in some way. Our listeners who support us each week in prayer. I know it might be hard, and it must be hard for people who maybe can't get out of the house sometimes. So we do hope that whatever myself and Shane might share with you uh, might do something to just lift your spirits somewhat today. The podcast, as usual, uh, does include some uh, topics, some faith topics. Uh, Shane was mentioned a bit more about that in a second. Um, inspirational music. From time to time, we do have interviews uh, on various faith topics from various people, maybe different parts of the country, different parts of the world. But we also reflect on the Sunday Gospel, and that's the highlight of our program. That's the reason why we're actually uh, actually on the podcast to start with, to promote the reading and reflecting on the Sunday Gospel. All of our podcasts can be heard back on comeandseeinspirations.budspread.com. Just Google Come and See Inspirations, you'll find us there. Also on our historical blog, going back to 2009, sacredspace102.blogspot.com. Also Spotify and iTunes. And of course, we do have a presence on Facebook at Come and See Inspirations. You can contact us if you wish by texting 87 That's 87 Or email comeandseeinspirations at gmail.com. Now, this part of the program, we usually have saints for the week. The reason why I'm saying we usually have saints for the week, because Shane warned me at the start, there's no saints for the week this week because it's Holy Week. However, Shane's got a few items, a few little bits and pieces to to uh, share with us in part two of the programme. We do you want to say a little bit of that introduction while people would just... Yeah, so liturgically, of course, we're entering into Holy Week next week. And so in part two of the programme, what we're going to do is we're going to go through each of the days and um, just talk about the days involved and little devotions that are traditional uh, for Lent and, and Holy Week as we work through. But yeah, as John said, we don't have Saints of the Week, um, the Saints on the calendar this, this for the coming week because Holy Week t- takes precedence uh, over everything else. So uh, yeah, so th- there's, there's no there's no Saints celebrated. So we'll, we'll talk about it in part two. And um, obviously, of course, entering into the solemnity of Holy Week. For those praying the Psalter, we're on week two. And the readings and the, 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 the liturgy of the hours is what's called proper to the week. So it's, 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 it's fixed, it's set. So that's, that's all we have, John, in terms of liturgical odds and ends this week. Shane, thank you very much, Nate, for that. So maybe just before we play our first bit of music, we might have a little prayer. And I picked up this little prayer on my mass leaf last week, and I thought it was a beautiful little prayer. Lord, guide me by your wisdom. Correct me with your justice. Comfort me with your mercy. Protect me with your power. I want to do what you ask of me in the way you ask for as long as you ask because you ask it. I thought it beautiful. And apparently that prayer is taken from a prayer um, made up by Pope Clement the Eleventh. I want to do what you ask of me in the way you ask 
for as long as you ask, because you ask it. And with that, we'll go for our opening piece of music today. This one is by a good friend, Melinda Dimitriscu, a beautiful piece of instrumental just to lead us into the, pro- into the podcast. This one is entitled, Jesus, He Died for Me. So join us again in part two, where we'll share some of our thoughts around Holy Week.
So welcome back again to the second part of Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Keeley, uh, still joined by Shane Ambrose. And to start off this second part of our podcast today, we thought we'd play an excerpt from a beautiful piece of music entitled Stab at Marta. And this was by Jericho, who's a, a band actually from Poland. And as Shane mentioned in, this, uh, in the introduction to our podcast today, um, this particular we, uh, this particular program this week will be uh, the centre part of the program. We'll be really chatting about and sharing sharing our thoughts around Holy Week. But to lead us into our reflections now, uh, Shane, you'd like to start us off with some reflections, please. Yeah. So it's yeah, myself and John, as as always, when we're talking about the podcast, it's trying to figure out different ways of talking and reflecting on things. And Holy Week, of course, is the Great Week. It is. Um, one of the yeah, highlights, it's, it's the high point, let me put it that way, of the Christian calendar. And I'm, I'm using that term deliberately, Christian calendar, because it is obviously common to all Christian denominations. Um, and oh, now, while the timing of this might be slightly different for our Orthodox brothers and sisters, because they follow the Julian calendar as opposed to the Gregorian, we all celebrate the Great Week, the Great Week, Holy Week. And it has different names, actually. It has five different names for Holy Weeks in terms of its symbolism. Um, you know, so, you know, and what we're going to do is we're going to go through each of the days, slight reflection on the days themselves, and then suggestions or just talk about different devotions and prayers that are associated with the, with the Holy Week. As I said, it has five different names kind of associated with it. Holy Week. Obviously, simply put, I suppose, this is a reference to the holiness of the mysteries celebrated during the week. So each day is Holy Monday, Holy Tuesday, or Monday of Holy Week, Tuesday of Holy Week, Wednesday or Spy Wednesday, Holy Thursday, and then you're into the Tridium, Good Friday, uh, Holy Saturday, and Easter Sunday. And just to say to people, it's often the mistake that's made. The Easter, the Saturday before Easter Sunday is Holy Saturday. Hmm. Easter Saturday is the Saturday of the following week. Yeah. So just, yeah. just for yeah. people, just remember that, right? Mm. So the Saturday between Good Friday and Easter Sunday is Holy Saturday. That's what it's called. Sometimes people get a little confused with that one. So that's Holy Week. Another week that's called, the Eastern Christians call it the Great Week. And it comes from an ancient homily from St. John Chrysostom. Um, he said, why do we call this week grace? Because in it, many ineffable ineffable good things came our way. <clears throat> in it, protracted war is concluded, death is eliminated, curses are lifted, the devil's tyranny is relaxed, his pomps are despoiled, the reconciliation of God and man is achieved, 
heaven is made accessible, human beings are brought to resemble angels. Uh, this then is the reason we call the weak great, because in us the Lord lavished on us such a plethora of gifts. That's John Christopher. Another week, it's sometimes called the painful week, uh, not a very popular name, and reflects the intense pain felt by Jesus, um, you know, as well as the church as she watches her Savior suffer and, and die. It's also called the week of indulgences, <clears throat> um, which reflects a former tradition of welcoming back penitence. So this would have been kind of after Palm Sunday, you know, they would have been, completed their penance for the Lenten season, and the church doors would have been reopened to them to participate them back into the community, into the Christian community. And then it's also called, another name from the Eastern churches, it's called the Bridegroom, or the Week of the Bridegroom. And this primarily refers to the first three days of Holy Week, because in the, in the Byzantine tradition, there's a prayer that's you know, used which starts, Behold, the bridegroom is coming in the middle of the night. Blessed is the servant who shall find him awake. And it, it goes on like that. Watch instead and cry out. Holy, holy are you, O Lord, O God, through the intercession of the Theotokos, have mercy on us. And very much, of course, links into that line from the Gospel of St. Mark, where Jesus himself speaks, you know, the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast on that day. So that's Holy Week as we as we enter into it. So Monday of Holy Week, just to start off with that one. So Monday of Holy Week uh, very much was associated with the Gospel of Bethany. Mm -hmm. And it is the Gospel from St. It's the account of the Gospel of St. John, which focuses on Mary, uh, the sister of Martha and Lazarus, uh, anointing Jesus with the nard, that, that great cracking open the jar of nard and anointing his, his, his feet of Jesus and drying up of her hair. A very deeply provocative sign of love. And the interesting thing, of course, is we have Judas uh, buttoning in and talking about, you know, uh, protesting that it's a waste and that the precious ointment mm, could have been sold mm, mm. and proceeds given to the poor. But Jesus sees the deeper meaning of Mary's gesture. She's aware that he faces death and she offers this anointing of his body as a sign of her enduring love at this moment of crisis, which is very much contrasted with the cynicism of Judas and the threats of the religious leaders. Um, you know, so it's something, I suppose, just for us to, to pause and to reflect on. In terms of prayer devotions for this week, um, a prayer devotion that's very common during Holy Week, and particularly for Good Friday, is Taze Prayer Around the Cross. And um, we have it in Newcastle, John. Is it this week sometime? On Friday, 9 p.m., Newcastle West Church, Parish Church. So for, so, so those who want to attend it locally, so it's, it's and also keep an eye online, there, there, there will be a lot of churches and places around, even Taizé itself, from, from, and you can watch it from Taizé, uh, the traditional uh, prayer around the cross with reflections and, and Taizé chants focusing on uh, the cross. Just to mention there, Shane, that that prayer around the cross on Good, uh, on Good Friday in Newcastle West is recited uh, by young people. And it's really uh, the, the stations of the cross uh, centred around everyday sort of problems and the, the life that we're living in 2022. It's, it's very much connected with real life, but also very much connected with the way of the cross of Jesus. 
So just to so just as we on that note, John, I suppose our next piece of music is again well, it's a piece of Teze music as you mentioned earlier. This one is entitled Ubi Caritas. That was the Teze chant, Ubi Caritas. And one of the reasons we selected it as the first piece of music is because it links in very much with the gospel uh, and Mary's anointing of Jesus. Because it's where there is, where uh, Ubi Caritas is, uh, where there is love, there is, there is God. And it's, and it's a call to service. And it's very much associated with Holy Week. And in particular, it's associated actually with the mandatum uh, ceremony or the washing of the feet ceremony on Holy Thursday. But we'll get to that. So Tuesday of Holy Week, uh, very much, I suppose, again, it's the clouds are gathering in when we listen to the gospel for the day. 
it is taken from the Gospel of John. It's taken from the Gospel of John, and it is Jesus at the Last Supper, and he's deeply troubled because obviously he's aware of what Judas is about to do. Um, it's even, you know, it's 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 uh, it's it's also, I suppose, the the Gospel discourse from John is very much Jesus praying for his disciples, and it's one of the great talks or discourses that are held, that are given to us in, in John's gospel. And it's interesting as well, because um, John's gospel is, is quite different. The others are very much a chronological order of things that happened, slight discrepancies mm-hmm, between them, mm-hmm. but in general, that's it. But it, you know, focusing on the institution of the Eucharist and, and then the events leading up to the death and passion, the passion, death and resurrection of Jesus. Whereas John's gospel, we don't get um, a discourse or a, 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 an institution of the Eucharist. We get the washing of the feet. So again, um, it's one of the things that's associated with Holy Week from the point of view of prayer is praying the, 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 the Jesus prayer. Uh, this is a prayer very much associated with the, uh, the Orthodox Church. And very much if you ever see uh, Orthodox priests and religious they might have what look like cloth rosary beads, mm. but they're, the, 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 the way the beads are structured is different to what we would be familiar with in the Latin church. You know, <clears throat> because obviously our, our rosary, well, the main rosary, I should say, is broken down into five decades with a bead meant for the glory of the Our Father. <coughs> Whereas you often see Orthodox priests and religious is kind of cloth uh, beads, often mm. uh, chalky, I think is what is the house now, so I'm not sure of that one. Um, but it's praying a very simple prayer or mantra uh, in some ways, which is, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And it's very much, you know, it's very much focusing on that prayer. It goes back to the sixth century, and it's where it was taught as kind of where the repetition of the prayer leads to inner stillness. Um, and it's uh, St. John Cassian in his great book on contemplative prayer even refers to it as uh in the fourth century um and it's it's enough i suppose to say to answer the call to prayer unceasingly in many respects so nice simple prayer uh very much associated with this week as well and that is the the jesus prayer it's very straightforward it is lord jesus christ son of god have mercy on me a sinner so john uh, our next piece of music our next piece of music uh, is by one of our favourite um, composers and uh, singers in Ireland here, uh, James Coban, and James is singing The Old Rugged Cross. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross the emblem of suffering and shame And I love that old cross Where the dearest and best For a world of lost sinners was slain So I'll I will claim 
someday to my home far away where his glory forever I'll share so I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down I will popular uh, piece of music, The Old Rugged Cross, sold, so, sung, <clears throat> excuse me, sung by many people over the years, but very popular, uh, particularly in Ireland. Uh, it's a very, it's a very common uh, funeral piece as well, actually. And we just thought it would be nice to include it as we head into the Wednesday of Holy Week. It's my Wednesday, obviously, uh, so-called. Uh, today's gospel or the gospel associated for Spy Wednesday is taken from the uh, St. Matthew's Gospel generally looks at the the Last Supper through the lens of St. Matthew. Um, It's the final Passover that Jesus was celebrated with his disciples. And once again, the Gospel notes that Jesus is deeply distressed because he knows his disciples will abandon him at his moment of greatest need and that one of them will betray him. But I suppose it's a reminder to us that God's mercy is everlasting. And it'll now be revealed in the steadfast love of Jesus, even when he is surrounded by treachery. Um, so it's, it's, and obviously, of course, then we have Matthew's account of the betrayal, the agreement of betrayal, the 30 pieces of silver by Judas. And I suppose as we think and reflect on it, I suppose, it's also ask ourselves, do we have a price? You know, there, is there something that we would do anything for? Mm. And ask ourselves that question. Because there is, often, there is often the question asked, you know, was Judas's betrayal necessity for the purposes of salvation of the world? Hmm. It's a question that has to be asked. We often condemn Judas to the lower levels of hell, straight out. Um, but that's a question that's sometimes asked as well. Did he have a role in, the, uh, in salvation history with his betrayal? Something to think about as well. But also to ask ourselves the question, what is our price uh, in terms of what we would do for others? So prayer devotion that I kind of just draw people's attention to for this particular day is what's called the seven last words of Christ. Now, we did it on the program a couple of years ago. We did a podcast on, on, on for the radio program on the seven last words. And again, sometimes it's associated more with Good Friday. A lot, of, a lot of the prayer devotions we're talking about are very much associated with Good Friday, but they yeah. can be done throughout Holy Week. And it's, it's very much a tradition kind of initiated in the 17th century by the Jesuits from Peru, where we meditate on the moments when Jesus spoke his seven last words while on the cross. And it's, you know, it's the, the, the seven last words 
Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. To the good thief, truly I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. To his mother Mary, woman, behold your son, and to John, behold your mother. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I thirst. It is accomplished. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Each of those in and of themselves you could take for a meditation for each day of Holy Week if you wanted to. And I would highly recommend the book by Timothy Radcliffe, the Dominican writer and preacher, The Seven Last Words, where he has beautiful reflections for each one of the seven last words. The Jesuits also have um, various resources available on it as well. So something to think about if you're looking for a way to mark and to carve out prayer space during Holy Week. So our next piece of music, John, is the Teze chant, Jesus, Remember Me. But before we get into that, the other thing that's often associated with Spy Wednesday is the celebration of the Mass of Chrism. Mm-hmm. So this is the mass, of the mass where the bishop will consecrate and bless Chrism and the holy oils that will be used in the diocese for the following 12 months. And just to say to people that this year, the Mass of Chrism for Limerick Diocese is to be held in St. John's Cathedral on Spy Wednesday at 7.30 p.m., and people are invited to attend. It's, it's open to the public this year. And what happens is bishop, the bishop will bless and consecrate the oils used in the sacraments of baptism, confirmation, holy orders, and the sick. And the priests of the, the diocese renew their commitment to priestly ministry. Uh, so that's, that's, uh, that's this week on Wednesdays. That's also something that's done. So like I said, the next piece of music that we have is the Teze chant, Jesus, remember me.
So the next one now, John, is Holy Thursday. And I think for many people, this is the beginning of, I suppose, for many people, this is the real beginning of Easter and Holy Week for them. Now, technically, the Holy Tridium, the Sacred Tridium, begins at sunset on Holy Thursday. That's when we enter into the Tridium. The Tridium, three last days, three great days of, 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 of Easter, uh, leading up to the Passion, Death and Resurrection of Christ. And Holy Thursday, very much, of course, focusing around the Last Supper. And what the Church commemorates with the Mass of the Last Supper is the institution of the Eucharist and also the institution of the priesthood, because those are the two things very much associated with Holy Thursday and the Mass of the Lord's Supper. Now, it's interesting. The gospel that is used for Holy Thursday is the gospel of St. John. And as I said earlier, John's gospel is the only gospel which doesn't have an account of the institution of the Eucharist by Christ. The words of institution, this is my body, this is my blood, that's not in the gospel of, of, of St. John. Instead, what we have is the washing of the feet and Christ's instruction to his disciples that you must be servants to each other and do this as I have done unto you. And of course, that's very much remembered as well in, in our liturgy for Holy Thursday, where, the, where there is the washing of the feast. Now, in many places this year, obviously, that's not going to happen because we're still operating in a COVID situation. So it would not necessarily be appropriate. But, you know, it's a reminder to us. It's called the mandatum ceremony or the, the sermon because... Jesus is asking us to give service to each other. So, you know, for parishes that are not doing the washing of the feast this year, because that's actually an optional part of the liturgy, um, it's a great reminder to us to call people to service and also to thank people that do give service. So for those that are involved in ministries in the church, you know, your Eucharistic ministers, your readers, your cleaners, your sacristans, but also those that give service in their community. It's also a reminder to us that we are called to give service to others. Because as we've said before many times in this program, you have to be Christian, you must be in communion in community. To be Christian is to be in community because you cannot be a Christian on your own. And of course, there's a reminder to people as well that it is in Ireland, it is traditional that on Holy Thursday, the collections are taken up of the Lenten troker boxes. And that's when people will take their Lent, their troker box offertory uh, to be just to be collected through parishes. So if you're doing that this year, don't forget to take it in when you go to Mass for Holy Thursday. Now, as I said, Holy Thursday is the start of the Tridium. And if you've ever paid attention to it and you you, you read down to your leaflet for the Tridium, the Mass doesn't actually finish. There is no final blessing and dismissal at the Mass of the Lord's Supper. The closing part of the liturgy is very much focused around the, the reservation of the Blessed Sacrament to the altar of repose. And the devotion that has grown up around this in terms of adoration, veneration, and accompanying Jesus through his agony in Gethsemane. And many, many parishes will have a holy hour or whichever 
in front of the altar of repose. There's a tradition in some countries in, on the continent, uh, in Italy, and I think it's in Poland as well, where people will do um, almost mini caminos or mini pilgrimages in urban settings, and they'll visit the different churches to visit the different altars of repose uh, uh, um, throughout the night of Holy Thursday. So, of course, very much associated with that is very much, of course, the great Latin hymn of St. Thomas Aquinas, Pantumirgo, uh, uh, sorry. So, John, our next piece of music is, uh, is a Tantumirgo. Tantumirgo sacramentum So that is the Tantumirgo there. Very much uh, that particular version is uh, what's called the solemn tone in Gregorian chant. Very familiar, particularly to people in, 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 our, in an Irish context. It'd be the version of the, of the Tantumirgo we would be most familiar with. Um, but that, you know, it varies slightly from country to country. I, I discovered myself a couple of years ago, I was overseas and I, someone started intoning a Tantumirgo and I joined in. And it was completely different. <laughs> it was completely different. I was completely thrown. So just, it's it's different variations, you know, diversity within unity. That's the, that's the church. Now, sorry, I forgot to mention, we, we were talking about prayer devotion. So for Holy Thursday, the prayer devotion there that I was going to mention is the praying of the rosary of the seven sorrows of Our Lady. Our Lady of Sorrows, of Our, La Our Lady of Dolores. The devotion very much originated in the 13th century and promoted by um, uh, the Servites, I think it's very, it's very much associated with him. It, the litany that's, that is, is added to the devotion is, was set out in, by Pope Pius VII, uh, who died in 1823. And it's very much, um, there's very much great, there's great tradition associated with praying the, the, the Rosary of Our Lady of Sorrows. Uh, St. Bridget of Sweden reported that Our Lady of Sorrows grants seven graces to those who honour her and draw near to her and her son by meditating on her sorrows. So there's, um, so there's an introductory prayer, the new prayer in Our Father, seven Hail Marys, and then at the, each of, at the conclusion of each sorrow, 
Holy Mary, Holy Mother, hear my prayers and renew my heart to each wound of Jesus, my Savior. And then you close it out by praying three Hail Marys in honor of the tears of our sorrowful mother. And then there's a closing prayer as well. So it's a beautiful devotion. Uh, the, sor- the rosary of the rosary of Our Lady of Sorrows. The seven sorrows of Mary. The first, Simeon announces the suffering destiny of Jesus and a sword will pierce her, her, her heart. The second is Jesus escapes into Egypt with Jesus and Joseph. The third one is Jesus looking for Jesus, Mary looking for Jesus in lost in Jerusalem. The fourth sorrow is meeting Jesus as he carries his cross to Calvary. The fifth sorrow of Mary is standing near the foot of the cross while Jesus is dying. The sixth sorrow is receiving the body of Jesus from the cross. And then the eighth, the seventh sorrow, I beg your pardon, is placing the body of Jesus in the tomb. So those are the seven dolors of the seven sorrows of Mary or seven sorrows of Our Lady of Sorrows. So that was the uh, devotion that we were going to suggest for Holy Thursday. But of course, we're now on to Good Friday. And of course, the main thing with Good Friday, um, it's a solemn day, uh, a day of grief at the death of Jesus. There's no Eucharist celebrated anywhere in the Latin church on Good Friday. There's, it doesn't matter. High up nor low down, there is no, there's no Eucharist celebration today. We have what's actually called a liturgy of the pre-sanctified because the, the, the Eucharist that's used on Good Friday is, is consecrated at the Mass the night before. And on Good Friday, of course, we have two, three parts to the liturgy at three o'clock. We have the Passion Narrative, always taken from the Gospel of St. John, where John proclaims the death of Jesus as paradoxically the ultimate sign of God's love for the world. And then, you know, and that great uh, moment in the Gospel of John where Jesus exclaims, it is accomplished or it is finished and gives up his, and gives up his, his, his last breath. The second part, of course, of the great liturgy of Good Friday, John, is very much associated with the veneration of the cross the instrument of death, but also the instrument of our salvation. And then, of course, there is also um, a distribution of Holy Communion. Um, John, what would you say is the most traditional devotion associated with Good Friday? Well, definitely Stations of the Cross. Yeah. And also the Veneration of the Cross. Yeah, very much so. The Stations of the Cross are the the devotion that are associated very much with Good Friday, particularly for lay people. now, the devotion, the Stations of the Cross, they're generally 14 stations that commemorates Jesus' last day on earth as a man. And they focus on specific events of the day, beginning with his condemnation by Pilate. And they're almost like a mini pilgrimage or a mini Camino as you go from station to station. You go from Stasio to Stasio. Um, they're generally, uh, now they're, they're obviously for most, most of our churches, they're on the walls. Um, some churches have them outside. They're very much associated, for example, with Knock, the great external stations of Knock. Uh, for those that have a devotion in Lourdes, but also uh, there's, there's, there's two sets of stations in Lourdes. There's the one that goes up behind the Basilica, and then there's the one in the, that's set up for the, 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 the Les Maladies, the sick, in their voitures. And, of course, also, John, the stations very much associated with Krishavec, uh, the mountain of the cross in Medjugorje for those that have a devotion to Medjugorje. As you climb the mountain, you pass these huge bronze 
uh, stations as you climb. Uh, they're, they're the, 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 the stations themselves, the depictions are, are beautifully done actually as well. The stations of the cross, there are many ways of doing them. The traditional, there's traditionally 14, but we ourselves on the program, we have, we've covered them over the years. We've done various recitations of the stations of the cross, which are available on the podcast. But we've also done Mary's stations of the cross, um, folks looking at it from the eyes of the mother who watching, watching her sorrowing son. Uh, so there are different ways and different traditions associated. Even last weekend, of course, on this podcast, we had the uh, Stations of the Cross led by Bishop Brendan and Sister Phyllis Moynihan, um, uh, which was le- in a liturgy for peace for Ukraine as well. So for any listener that would like to listen back to that, that's available on our podcast as well. So as we come to Good Friday, John, our next piece of music is, again, a very a common favourite in Ireland, and it is that one, Were You There? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there My Lord Oh, sometimes it causes me To tremble, tremble, tremble Were you there When they crucified my Lord Were Oh, 
Okay, so that finishes actually, um, it gives it a, a very good idea. Thanks, Shane, for leading us in from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and of course, Good Friday. But Holy Saturday, that's Holy Saturday, not Easter Saturday. Holy Saturday is a very important uh, day too, Shane. Would you like to say just a few words on that? Yeah, Holy Saturday sometimes gets overlooked. Now, it's part of the tritium, um, but in a parish context, everyone is focused on the vigil and what's happening on Easter Sunday. So Holy Saturday sometimes gets overlooked. And it's a day very much, it's, it's, it's a passing day. It's a day of mourning um, because we have one of the most elaborate liturgical celebrations is the Easter vigil. Um, but before we get to the exuberance of Easter joy, we have to face the stark silence of the tomb. We have to sit with the tomb um, because there is no Easter without the tomb, you know. Um, it's the, the liturgy itself that night is this, you, you go from darkness to light. We have the, 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 the historic story of salvation with the readings from the Old Testament. We have the solemn proclamation of the Easter Alleluia. We bring out our Alleluias that we have not used and said for five or six weeks since the start of Lent. And you sing out your Easter Alleluia. It's solemnly intoned and proclaimed is what the rubrics say in the Mass, um, you know. And then, of course, we have the proclamation of the gospel of the resurrection. So this year, of course, that would be from Luke. You know, so this whole huge ceremony that we need to kind of unpack and participate in, which moves from light, from darkness to light, to the word proclaimed, to the blessing on water and the reminder of our baptismal calling and promises, and onwards then to a celebration of the Eucharist. So that's the vigil, the huge, the great vigil of, of Easter, of Holy Saturday night. But as I said, before you get to all of that, you need to get through the tomb and get by the tomb. And in terms of a prayer devotion for uh, Holy Saturday, there is a very famous anonymous reading that's given to us for Holy Saturday. And it's, it's, the, it's the reading that's prescribed in the official prayer of the church, which is the Liturgy of the Hours. And it's the, it's the second reading of the Liturgy of the Hours. It's anonymous. We, we don't know who wrote it. Uh, many readings have, and writings have come down to us from the early church fathers and mothers um, whose names have been lost. Um, but they were more intent on, I suppose, uh, passing on the apostolic tradition than you know, getting fame for themselves. So it's, it's called, it's, it's very simple. It's called a homily for Holy Saturday. Um, and it's very much, it's from the fourth century and it focuses on the harrowing of hell and the rescue of Adam and Eve. It's a very, um, it's a very challenging reading in some respects, but in its simplicity. And it, the, it focuses on what was happening on Holy Saturday while the tomb was sealed. There's that line from the creed, he descended into hell. So this is this, is this whole, what happened, you know? And it's, 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 it starts off, something strange is happening. There's a great silence on earth today. 
a great silence and stillness. The whole earth keeps silence because the king is asleep. The earth trembled and is still because God has fallen asleep in the flesh and he has raised up all who have slept ever since the world began. God has died in the flesh and hell trembles with fear. It's a beautiful reflection and it's one I would definitely say to people that they should look at our Holy Saturday as part of that prayer devotion for that day. So that brings us, John, to the end of Holy Week. Obviously, next week we're going to be talking about Easter, Holy Easter Sunday, and we are delighted that we're going to have uh, Sister Catherine, I think. So, yeah, so next week, Shane, we, we have for East, Easter Sunday, Sister Katrina Kavanagh yeah. from the Dominican Sisters of St. Cecilia are going to join us. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Which is kind of appropriate because uh, the piece of music to finish out this part of the programme and to kind of close out our reflection and discussion about Holy Week is uh, the Dominican sisters singing Mother of Sorrows. What a sea of tears and
So welcome back again to the third part of Common Sea Inspirations. My name is John Keeley, still joined by Shane. And thanks a lot, Shane, for leading us through that that very thoughtful, very inspirational uh, Holy Week. Certainly give us some food for thought. And um, as, what, what I took from that really is to take our time going through Holy Week and just appreciate every day what's involved and maybe what Shane just shared with us. But now we come to the part of the podcast where we read and reflect on the Sunday Gospel. And this week, Shane, uh, the Gospel, we're not going to take the Passion, but we're going to take um, the Gospel that's always prayed uh, right at the start. Uh, right at the start. Is it before the procession or after the procession? It's before the procession. So it, it, it's, well, it, it's Luke's account, sorry, of the entry into Jerusalem. So just before we we read the gospel, maybe Shane, you might pray this prayer. We always pray before reading and reflecting on scripture. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this word reverently, attentively and humbly. May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it, and our eyes be closed, and our minds wander. But may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms, through Jesus Christ, the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks for that, Shane. So the Gospel that we're going to use this morning is taken from the Gospel of Luke, as Shane said. Chapter 19, verse 28 to 40. Jesus went on ahead, going to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethage and Bethany, at the mount of what is called Olivet, he sent two, uh, two disciples, saying, Go into the village opposite, where on entering you'll find a colt tied, on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. And if, one, if anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? You shall say this, Lord, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners said to them, Why are you untying the the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus. And throwing their garments on the colt, they set Jesus upon it. And as he rode along, they spread their garments on the road. As he was drawn near, the descent of the Mount of Olives, the the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they'd seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Heaven, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the multitude said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. So that's the gospel we're going to use today, um, just before the procession uh, of, of the palms into the church. Shane, you got a thought or two you might want to share with us, please? Yeah, so as, as we said, so this week, this year, sorry, we're, we're, we're listening to Luke's account of the entry into Jerusalem. Um, and sometimes, unfortunately, um, despite the fact that this is Palm Sunday, the gospel of the palms it gets overlooked because, of course, we will also have the reading of the Passion from St. Luke's Gospel as part of the main liturgy of the Mass. 
But which is why myself and John decided we'd go with the with the shorter liturgy, the shorter uh, gospel this week. The gospel, I suppose, very much setting the spe- setting the space, setting the scene for us as we enter into Holy Week, and Jesus is going up to Jerusalem now. In the Gospel of Luke, um, I stand open to correction this, but I'm fairly sure in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, there's only one visit to Jerusalem by Jesus. All of the events lead on the road to Jerusalem. And ultimately, as we will know, to Calvary. And he enters in by the Mount of Olives and from Bethany into the city and presumably went in through the the, the Great Gate. Anyone that's been to Jerusalem will know that the old city still has its walls, but that the Great Gate, that Great Gate from Gethsemane is bricked up and there's actually a graveyard in front of it because when Jerusalem was taken by the Muslim conquerors in the 1400s um, Saladin I think it was Saladin uh, decided he didn't want anyone else taking the city and by tradition that is the gate the Messiah was going to go in so he bricked it up and put a graveyard in front of it to make sure nobody was going to go in that way again what a plan Yeah, but Tradition has it that's the gate that Jesus would have entered into the city. And his entry into the city was very much Yahweh's return to his city, to his temple, to his holy people, and answering and fulfilling the messianic promises that had been made to David and to David's house. But John, I think it's fair to say it probably wasn't the Messiah's entrance that they were looking for, um, this whole focus about the cult and the fold, very much emphasizing the different understanding of Messiah that Jesus was bringing. He was to be a gentle savior as opposed to just a military leader. You know, so we have that whole entry in and that whole turning about and turning on its head the understanding of what Messiah was going to mean with its ultimate culmination, not on a coronation, but on a crucifixion. Um, The gospel very much, I suppose, is one that I think gives us great scope for that tradition of putting ourselves into the story in prayerful meditation and asking ourselves, who, where would we have been? Would we have been in that crowd calling out those hosannas? Because remember, the crowd that called out those hosannas only four days later was the mob that was calling out, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. So anything, any of the gospels that we encounter for Holy Week are always to be seen in the shadow and the context of what we know is going to happen on Good Friday. Something for us to think about as we reflect on this week's gospel. And in addition, I suppose, you know, we're asked to kind of ask, you know, the celebrity culture that we have, the red carpet, the limousines, you know, going back to the days of the Galway tent and the helicopters going into Valley Britus, you know, that culture is still there for us in contrast to 
the carpenter's son sitting on a donkey entering into his city. You know, something for us to think about, something to reflect on. And it picks up that whole idea of the differences which is there from the very beginning of the Gospel of St. Luke, where we go back to the nativity and the first to hear the message of the angels were the outcasts on the hills of the shepherds. Mm. Wasn't the rich and the poor and the powerful sitting in their palaces in Jerusalem. It was those on the margins, on the edges of society, to whom the good news was brought. And we ask ourselves, the other thing I suppose to think about is, do, are we joyful in the presence of the Lord? Mm-hmm. You know, or is prayer and liturgy and mass seen as an obligation and a burden? When we come out from church on a Sunday, are our faces lit up or do we come out with sour pusses hanging down, you know, in front from our, down with our hearts in our boots? And that's very much something to think about when you look at the prayer and the chant and the singing. Hosanna in the highest to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Um, The crowd is extremely excited, you know, but it's asking us, are we very much aware of that excitement in our lives, in our prayer, in our relationship with Christ? Um, what Benedict said a couple of years ago, a number of years ago, the reminder to us that Christianity is not a fate of do's and don'ts, but is an intense personal relationship with the person of Jesus Christ. And that's something for us to think about as we celebrate our procession into the holy city and carry our palms singing Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Thank you for that, Shane. Thank you very much indeed. Just a very short little thought that I had this week, uh, just looking at the gospel once or twice. The line that stood out for me a few times was that line, the Lord has need of it. Maybe our prayer this week could be to ask, what does the Lord need of me? Or am I going to run away or hide? But what does the Lord ask of me? I mean, the boys were asked to go out and get a, a colt tied up. It might, to some people, it might be an unusual request, but they did it. And, and when they were asked why they didn't, it, they said, well, the Lord has need of it. So maybe the same thing with ourselves this week. What is the Lord asking us to do? Just to finish off a little bit from there from Michael Vertai. Lord, it's strange how when the moment of grace comes, everything seems to fall into place very naturally. If we need something, we find, as as the disciples did on the first Palm Sunday, that all we need to say is, the Master needs it. And immediately, all obstacles are removed. So that about brings us to the end of our podcast for this week. Um, Thanks again for staying with us. Hopefully, we'll all be able to reflect back again and what Shane shared with us this week a very important week maybe take time uh, to understand as best we can and to pray as best we can for the inspiration to be able to appreciate what happened this week all the various events, all the various readings that we have um, at Mass and of course the liturgies that are involved especially towards the end of the week so thanks a lot Shane for sharing all of that with us Thank you John A final piece of music this morning 
And what else could we do but sing that great Hosanna song? It's Hosanna and it's sang by Carl Turtle. So next week, when we welcome back onto the programme Sister Katrina Kavanagh from the sister from the Dominican Sisters of St. Cecilia, who will share with us her thoughts on Easter Sunday. And the, the thought that I asked her maybe to start off with or to emphasise is new life. Anyway, let's see what happens during the week. Uh, enjoy the week as best we can. Enjoy the week in terms of maybe appreciating this week what the Lord has done for us. So for myself and Shane, thanks again for joining us. We'll join us again next week. Until then, take care now. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, oh, oh.